You're listening to another episode of Women and Music by Goldhand Girls. I'm your host, Alexa Ace, and today I am interviewing Girly. Girly is a queer London-based punk artist who has pink hair and writes whatever the fuck she wants. I've had Girly on repeat for a few years, so when I saw that she was openly discussing being dropped from her label, going through a breakup, and putting out new music, I just had to reach out and hear her story. In this episode, Gurley and I touch on what it's like being an influence on your fans, how internet culture is awesome, but also hurting the music industry, and a look inside her new EP, X-Talk. Introducing Gurley. All right, what's up, Gurley? How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Gurley, I want to start with who the fuck are you? Who the fuck is Gurley? Like, I'd love to have like a 60 second word vomit about you, about your life, your career, aspirations, etc. And go. Oh my gosh. Gurley is 14 year old me hating school, being bullied, wanting to make music and escape, starting a band with two girls and thrashing out music and playing shitty gigs and then those girls realizing I was like way too bossy for them and just going out on my own and making punky pop music, dyeing my hair pink, saying fuck you to the patriarchy, skating around with my girl crew. Yeah, just like being vulnerable and queer and feminist and punk at the same time. You're the shit. So I love that you immediately say too that like the other girls thought you were too bossy. What does that even mean? I think... I've always been a very ambitious person and a very obsessive person. And, you know, I have an intense kind of perfectionism where I want things to be right and I want to be my way. And I just think that means I'm not very good at like being in a band or a group. But I think also there's something to be said about like girls having ambition being seen as bossy or overwhelming or like too much. I've definitely encountered a lot of people who have felt that way like throughout my career and felt like I was too kind of loud or opinionated. When you come across people like that, how do you respond? Do you ever feel like hurt by those comments or are you just like, fuck that? I know my vision. I think to be honest, like it's just frustrating because you get it so much more being a woman in the music industry or in the creative industries than I think men ever get it. And that gets very frustrating being questioned and being told to like chill it down or like, I don't know if that's possible, you know, what you want to do there, little girl, you know, that's frustrating. But then tastes sweet when you can just say fuck you to those people and show them that your ideas are cool and be a badass and show them up. So I think especially like when you put together a proper team around you who just believe in you and like love your ideas, then it gets way easier because you're like, ah, yes, I don't have to like constantly prove my ideas to all these people. Yeah. So is that like kind of what you did after you had this girl band, you go out, you do your own thing, people are calling you bossy, you're like, fuck it, I'm going to keep doing me. So as soon as you kind of continued, did you build that team around you immediately? Because I would love to lead into how the internet helped launch your career, if it did at all. Well, actually, like I've only built that kind of team in the last, honestly, like six months. Like I spent most of my career being signed to a major label surrounded by old white men who were trying to tell me how to live my life and write songs and dress and wear makeup and do my career. Like I actually battled with so much of that. And it's only in the last six months to a year that I felt actually 
the most myself I've ever felt. So I think I kind of have now reconnected with who I was when I was like 16, 17 and first being like girly, you know, because yeah, I kind of lost that for a bit. Because this industry does that, especially to, you know, if you're a young woman and you're like excited and you're naive, like this industry can chew you up. Would you say that that happened to you? Oh, definitely. I definitely, you know, had so much ambition and was so excited by everything and then felt so much pressure to like impress and be a hit and, you know, was shaped into this more presentable pop star. And actually it just wasn't me. And it wasn't authentic and kind of, I think people sensed that as well. And so, you know, when I look back at my first album, Odd One Out, and the artwork around that and the production on the album and the videos and la la la, I would do everything differently now. And, you know, my project that's like coming out, but all the music I'm putting out this year is just so much more authentically me. And it feels like the first time I'm releasing music because it feels like the first time I've been able to direct all the videos myself direct all the artwork myself, like be in control of everything. That's incredible to hear. Like you're in fucking control. It sounds like you just need to be in control, honestly. Your vision just can't be altered because you need to create that thing that's like from your core and not let anyone embellish it in their way that, ah, fuck it. I honestly kind of want to know like a little bit about, like you kind of just said, like the artwork behind Odd One Out. What was different between, you know, that vision and version of you versus now when it comes to like visual and aesthetics? Is there anything different? Yeah, like I think it was just around that time I was experiencing like really poor mental health and I was feeling very anxious and feeling a lot of pressure to perform and, you know, my album to be a hit and all this stuff. And like, I just felt like, you know, I had this big team around me of mostly men who were just sort of like saying, this isn't working, like we need to do this, you know, you need to look more polished and mature and grown up, which in reality, like I am a queer feminist, loud, messy, politically minded, like punk attitude kind of woman. Like, I don't want to like dress up looking like the first lady of the White House. Like, that's not really who I am. And that's not who my fans are. Fuck being sophisticated. That's not the point. Like, for me, the point was always to speak my mind and be like different and you connect with other people who are also different or feel outcast or feel like the loser or feel like they've always been kicked out of the popular group or whatever, you know. And I think also my fans could sense that too, because even though I'm really proud of all the songs on that album, everything around it, the visual identity of it was really like not me. I hate to hear that, but at the same time, I feel like it's almost like you had to go through that to understand that You can still make that music and still be a fucking successful musician without those white guys telling you what to do and how to sound. And your visual identity is so important. And especially, you know, as a queer punk artist, like it's so inspiring. I relate because I'm in the music industry and I identify as queer as well and grew up in rock and roll. And it's like, how dare anyone try to change those who are just trying to be the most authentic from their soul. And they already basically know, like you already know that you don't necessarily quote unquote fit in, but also fuck fitting in. And that's what this podcast is about. Let's have some empathy. Let's hear from the people that have the difference different ideas because they're also the minorities. Going into the next question, I really want to know about, I read an NME article about how you get DMs and YouTube comments that are quite personal and it reminds you of your responsibility to your young fans. Do you still feel similar? Yeah, definitely. I think because I'm so open with my lyrics and talking about mental health, sexuality, 
feminism, my own personal experiences of those things. Like I have attracted a fan base and people online who experience those same things, suffer with up and down mental health or struggling with coming out to their parents or figuring out their sexuality or struggling kind of finding their place in (laughs) this patriarchal world. And, you know, like I think I definitely feel responsible but not in the sense that like if I fuck up then I've ruined them you know I'm a human and I'm allowed to but I think there's just a certain level of when you have a public platform like that with an audience like that you have to be aware of the messages you're putting out and you know how I guess educated you are and educating yourself on different things and like I think there's that for sure. I think that there's a lot to say about why it is important to have that lyricism that is a bit more raw and that does focus on mental health because I think that for so long people really did just kind of like slide it under the rug and mental health is something that controls everything around us in the most beautiful and difficult way. So I love your response. I think that most artists, in my opinion, it's cool to see when they do feel responsible and accountable to their fans because you have no idea when they're listening to your music also and what it's helping them through. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes like it's easy to get caught up in like life's day-to-day kind of problems, but then sometimes I'll get a DM from a fan and it just like makes my day because it's like, holy shit, someone's, you know, listened to my music to get through a hard time or something, you know, it can really like humble you, I think. Yeah. And also I feel like when you're having hard times with mental health too, like that you're not alone. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like the amount of times I've wanted to quit music and then like, you know, had messages from fans that, you know, made me think otherwise. That's so awesome. So speaking of being a creative, I love that you are directing your music videos, that you are a visual creative and, you know, kind of going back to the last question, but also intertwining them. Do you feel like creatives in some ways are held responsible for youth culture? And at the same time, I would love to know your opinion on what it's like to be a creative in 2021. I think because of social media and the internet and how visual that is, I'm not just a musician, I'm like a content creator and like every day, you know, on like TikTok and Instagram and the la la and like, I'm like a fashion blogger, I guess, like, you know, and I'm like a video director, I'm a photographer, like I'm all these things that, you know, I wouldn't introduce myself as those things. But if you think about it, like, I do those things every day. And so that's why artists are so much more visually like link their music to the visual so much more and are so much more in control because it is more accessible. And it's also just like, if you're an artist like who wants to be on social media, which is kind of essential these days, which I don't know, I have my mixed feelings about that because I think social media is like both a angel and a devil but then you know you have to kind of figure out your own visual identity and how that links to your music so there's a lot of like soul searching that goes into like making your social media and the visuals behind that and like you know my style has definitely evolved with my music so where do you draw that visual inspiration from yeah for me I think definitely the internet and internet culture influences me but mainly for me the 90s and the early 2000s I think the 90s more than the 2000s like I have a lot of films that I kind of take visual inspiration from, like The Craft, 10 Things I Hate About You. Also, for me, I spend a lot of time on Pinterest. I love Pinterest. It's so underrated. I really love kind of 90s Japanese style, the more kind of punk alt side. Obviously, I love Harajuku. I think that's super cute and cool. But 
for me, I think more I identify with like combining the sort of 70s punk elements with like 90s grunge and then 90s into like Y2K, which has then kind of turned into this internet e-girl, I guess, kind of vibe. I think I'm also just like really taking from like the music I listen to and then being inspired by that. So I listen to a lot of like 90s grungy, moody punk music. So a lot of, you know, that kind of style feeds into mine. Give us a 90s album to listen to front to back. What's one of the best 90s albums? Oh, front to back. I think it's got to be Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. I've been so on that like the last two weeks. I fucking love that you just said that. Absolutely iconic because I have this theory that, and I think this is actually, you know, kind of like a universal theory, but like every 30 years, it's kind of when trends come back. And I think that being on the internet, you see trends and you get away from them, but you also see how it does affect like going back to like the culture. And I think that, you know, internet culture and the nineties in some ways, like kind of do go hand in hand because it's rebellious. Like we're coming out of the 2010s. You had to be cool. You had to be like sophisticated. You had to have a beautiful aesthetic, like that stupid shit. The nineties are coming back. And actually, if you go look on Pinterest, you can see that people are mostly typing in things that have to do with the nineties, fashion that has to do with the nineties, music that has to do with the nineties, painters that have to do with the nineties. You're one of the leaders there. Yeah, no, I'm really into it. I think it's a constant mission to try and repurpose things that you're inspired by and not be like a direct copy of them. So I think that's why for me, my style is like a mishmash of loads of stuff. Yeah, I've totally noticed that too. Like, I think it's so cool. Like you're almost ironic in the sense that, you know, obviously your name is girly and you're this bad bitch that, you know, is 90s punk and you do and you say whatever the fuck you want. Was that purposeful? Honestly, I mean, I think for me, I try to get this balance with my look being really out there and like pink hair don't care. I skate and I fall over and I graze my knees and I don't give a shit and I have hairy armpits and like sometimes I have like pink eyebrows, but sometimes I just fuck up my makeup and have smudged mascara and I don't really care. But then my songs are actually like very vulnerable and very sensitive and like my lyrics are very like personal and to be honest, like, it's kind of the duality of me, really. (laughs) It's like girly is like the whole shebang. And then it's like in the lyrics, it's really Millie. Do you ever feel like you have to like separate girly and Millie? Yeah, I think I do. I think like it's this constant battle when you're like making music and then putting it out there. For me, you know, like girly isn't like a character. Like it is just me with a different name. And so then in essence, I like live and breathe girly like every day. Sometimes I have a bit of an identity crisis because I'm like, wait, like if girly just stops tomorrow, like who would I be, you know, and Millie is still there and like she has her own battles that she doesn't talk about and like has her own things going on in her life, you know. (laughs) So I think I do have to separate them a lot. And sometimes that's hard because you feel guilty for doing that sometimes taking time for yourself is actually like really hard sometimes yeah yeah for sure and I talk a lot too about like imposter syndrome I think that it's cool to separate and to identify the fact that like people do have different emotions that have different like visual representations of themselves so it almost sounds like you know Millie is a bit more private and girly is whatever the fuck you want to be but at the same time it also seems like there aren't limits I think you're constantly figuring out as well Absolutely. So going back to the pandemic, where were you when everything started? And 
How has it changed? You were going to go on a sofa tour. Will that resume? What are your plans? The sofa tour is like my biggest tragedy of 2020 because it was meant to happen two days, three days before we had our first lockdown here. And it was basically a whole like two weeks of playing sweaty punk gigs in fans' living rooms in their houses with like people crammed in and it was going to be super punk. It was all sold out. And obviously you don't have to really look far to see why that couldn't happen during a pandemic. I was so hyped. And literally as soon as that's possible, I'm going to do it again. Lockdown restrictions are easing here, but that's probably going to be one of the last things you can do, like taking loads of people into strangers' houses. And <laughs> Does the intimacy of playing such personal like gigs and personal spaces ever intimidate you? No, I love it because I think those are the most special when you're super close to your fans. I mean, I love the idea of playing massive, you know, arenas and festivals and shows, but I do love like small intimate gigs, probably because those are the kind of gigs that made me fall in love with music, going to, you know, see bands play when I was like 15, 16 in like these tiny spaces and pubs and like, you know, people crowd surfing and their noses touching the ceiling and it just like the energy of that. I love that. For sure. Who are some of those bands? Ah, like I was a big indie kid, to be honest. So I guess when I was 16, that was like 2014 era. And I was just going to loads of like enemy awards tours and like loads of bands like Wolf Alice were playing and Slaves and Peace and like sunflower bean i remember them they were just like loads of these kind of indie bands like indie was so big courtney barnett yeah courtney barnett so many of these bands and there was this big indie wave that kind of died after like a year or two but i was right in the middle of that and so just going to so many shows and that's you know my love of music really came from that because the feeling of like wearing your wristband and being all sweaty and getting the band to sign your face and like crowd surfing and moshing and like coming out into a like freezing cold London night, being all sweaty from the show you just went to. And like, I just remember that feeling. And like, that's what I've missed so much in the pandemic too. The hairs on my arms are standing up. How descriptive you were just like, made me emotional. <laughs> I miss that so much. I miss that concert so fucking much. Exactly what you're saying, especially in London too. Like the underground, the grungy, the disgusting, but you fucking love it shows. Like I can totally see how that would inspire you. Even the indie like era was pretty fucking awesome, honestly. So it's cool to hear that that inspired you too. So I want to know like moving forward about being dropped from a label. Can we talk about that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. People a lot of the time are nervous to like ask me about it because they're like, oh, a bit taboo. But for me, like I wear it proudly. Like I got dropped and I picked myself back up from that and I was independent for a year and then I signed to another indie label. And I think especially women in the music industry are given sell-by dates. You're told that you're a failure constantly. You're constantly reminded of this bullshit concept that you're a failure. Can you explain what that means, sell-by dates? That you have to be under a certain age to be, like, relevant. Ew. Or you have to, like, be this fresh thing. There's this real emphasis, especially on women and girls, of having been, like, an overnight success or just discovered or fresh. And, like, honestly, I've never even said this, but it just kind of computed in my mind that it sort of is similar to this idea of being virginal, like, being untouched and being like pure. Woo. 
That is so fucking accurate. Yeah, wow. Damn, good one. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like a scholar right now. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> because like, yeah, I don't know. It does feel like that. It feels like you're plucked when you're super young. I see it all the time. It happened to me. It happened to so many young girls. You're signed super young. You're really naive. You have a team of men around you. You're told what to wear, how to wear your makeup. You're told to shave your legs. Like you're told to do all this shit. You're told to sound cute and not speak up and, you know, sing nice songs. And that is changing, I think. There's this real emphasis on being young. And even though I adore Billie Eilish, I think after she's come around, now there's even more emphasis on being super young. And like, I'm 23. And sometimes I feel, am I too old for this now? What the fuck? Oh, absolutely. It's too much. Yeah. And it's also intrusive to children's lives. <laughs> I hate that. But at the same time, I feel like what you're saying is so surfaced that I think that people need to accept that that actually is like a strange, unnecessary, fucked up standard in the industry that like that's how you go viral is to be this young, 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 young overnight success. And especially with social media and TikTok and shit. I hate to hear you say that because I've actually heard that so many times like the past couple weeks about how artists are just like, am I too old to still be doing this? And it's literally every person I've talked to is in their 20s. But then you think about the 90s too. And you think about, you know, like the Tom Yorks and where they are now and how people didn't really listen to their music or paid that much attention to their music. And those are the bands that last though, you know, the ones that don't just need that hype. I think there's something to be said there too. It's good music. That's what it is. And just sincere passion. Yeah. Adding to that, I mean, like TikTok has definitely perpetuated that way more. Like if you see like Olivia Rodrigo and like all these teenagers making these songs that are like overnight successes and everyone's like, oh my God, like she's so young and it's like, she's so skinny and so natural and it's so weird. Yeah. It's like, these are people's lives. Like, you know, Olivia Rodrigo is one day going to be like 30. Are you all okay with that? Or is that gross to you? It's just so weird. Women are not a trend. Young girls are not a trend. You know, it's just like weirds me out. Yeah. Actually, I feel like you've brought to light something that people want the untouched artist. I think that our generation is really helping to push that standard of what is like necessarily cool and trendy. But at the same time, it doesn't take away from the fact that there are labels and there are agencies who do just want the white, the skinny, the natural, the pretty, the overnight success, and the 16-year-olds. And that's honestly kind of like what scares me the most is how young people are like fishing for these artists. And also, I think that now that we do have all this access to different marketing tools, we have the ability to really just go seek out different artists. And it's almost like there's still this underlying unspoken standard in the industry that that is what you have to be to play arenas or get to the top or play award shows or whatever the fuck. And also there's all this pressure on women getting rid of all their back catalog of music once they have like a bigger song because it's embarrassing that I've been going this long. This needs to be like a big success that just happened for me, you know. I've definitely like felt that pressure. And so I completely understand when people do it. I think it's horrible that the industry puts that pressure on women, but I totally understand it because it's like... I mean, this is why I wrote my song Has Been, because I'd literally heard people say in the industry, oh yeah, her career's over. She's put out one album. In the 80s and 90s, artists would put out like 10 albums and then they'd become really well known on like their eighth album. And it would be like, sick. Oh, sick. Look, they have all this music before that I can listen to as well. Sick. Whereas now it's like, 
oh, wow, they've had loads of albums out before. That's kind of embarrassing. It's like, why? Why is it embarrassing? They've been making music for ages. That's dope, you know? Because it's less about the music now. And it sucks. I could go off, but I want to know about your music. I want to know about X Talk. I want to know the difference between Odd One Out and X Talk and Has Been and really just this whole release. So how did Being Drop prepare you to release X Talk? Well, X-Talk was written in between being dropped and finding my new label. And it was this kind of year of just like limbo, really, because I was like having all these thoughts, like has been was written when I just felt like no one gave a shit and my career was over. And like, I felt so rejected by the industry, by my ex, by friends who had stopped being friends with me as soon as shit got tough. I was just feeling so rejected in so many ways. And I especially felt as a woman, just like shat on by the industry because my first album wasn't like a massive hit. And I felt like this is bullshit. Like this is not how we should treat artists. This is not fair that I feel this way as an artist. Like that's not what music's about. And like, yeah, I made that song and I made the whole X Talk EP like in that period where I was going through a breakup, loads of breakups, I guess. I was going through romantic breakups, friendship breakups, professional breakups. And I was trying to just cope and deal with all this stuff. Writing all those songs kind of was a big way in which I was coping. I'm sorry to hear that, honestly. Like, I can't imagine like the pain you're put through, honestly, or even just the questioning that you had during that time. Because, you know, even just hearing you say, just being a fucking woman in this industry and you're fucking 23. I mean, I've honestly listened to X Talks so many times already. So is that kind of like what we're expecting in the future? I feel like with X Talk, like you're very vocal about your pain and kind of like what you talked about earlier is like you're very vulnerable in your music too. And I think that it's almost like Odd One Out was a bit more pop, like a bit more commercialized. And it does seem like X talk. I can hear you. Yeah. Oh, that's wicked. That's the idea. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for me now, I'm making music that I want to make. X talk and all the stuff that I have to release this year is like just me figuring out who I am and making music that's experimental and different and lyrically just being like super, super honest again and not questioning that. I mean, you know, like on Odd One Out, like some of the lyrics were changed by the label because they felt like they weren't commercial enough. And so now I'm like, right, <laughs> no one is touching these lyrics apart from me. Yeah. So what is Passive Aggressive about? Passive Aggressive is about these kind of fashion parties, obviously pre-corona, but all these kind of parties that I would go to, especially when I was first signed, where it was just like, you just get like a free invite to all these places with free alcohol and you go and sit around and people would just be there who were just judging you. <laughs> and it's about people in the industry, in the fashion industry, in the music industry, just like being fake and finding yourself being surrounded by people who like are very superficial friends and finding myself being like, whoa, I do not make music to be surrounded by these people. Like I make music for me and I want to be in my own lane. Like I don't understand why everyone has to be so <laughs> passive aggressive. I love that you just poetry slammed your lyrics too. <laughs> Which song of X Talk hits the hardest to you and also why? I think the one that hits the hardest is Throw Myself Away because that song for me, like it was basically improvised kind of like I wrote it with my really good friends, Norma and Mo, who I also wrote Letter to My Ex with and What a Shame. And they're such good friends. I just went around to their house. I was in the process of getting some of my stuff from my ex's house. This was like six months after we broke up and I was still so, so heartbroken. And I was trying to get some stuff from their house, but I think I secretly also didn't really need the stuff. I just really wanted to see them and get closure. 
And this song was about the fact that I was getting closure in all the wrong ways. And I kind of hadn't even figured that out yet. I was just in so much pain and like crying and kind of sang this into the mic really. And we just pieced it together into a song. But that one hits the hardest because I was really, really like not in a good place at all mentally. And I can hear it in my vocals. Like I can really hear how much pain I was in. It's about, yeah, just being self-destructive and not really knowing how to stop doing these things to yourself because you're in so much pain, like you're in so much heartache, you can't really do anything else with yourself than just try run away from it and try escape it by, you know, sleeping with other people who don't care about you or going back to your shitty ex. So Throw Myself Away is the last track on the EP. Why are the songs in the order that they're in? Or is there anything special to that? There kind of is. I think like in a way, Has Been always had to be the first single because it was like my comeback song. And then it was kind of in the order in which I wrote them in a way. Like Letter to My Ex was then me kind of just continuing the anger of rejection and then passive aggressive was me starting to realise like my surroundings and the people I'm hanging out with is really bullshit and what a shame and throw myself away. They were like the most kind of emotional and sad and like vulnerable. And the next EP... I'm literally looking at the track listing right now, actually. It's just a lot more, not necessarily badass, because actually all the songs are very much about sad or shitty things happening, like falling in love with like a friend who doesn't love you back and body dysmorphia and being in a toxic relationship and low self-esteem and the music industry kind of destroying my soul. But I'm realizing each song is just like a diary entry of something else that's happened. And in a way, the next EP weirdly feels a lot more like hopeful and like I'm regaining strength and power, even though it's about, you know, shitty situations happening. For sure. I wanted to ask you about like, what era do you see X talk in? Because I see people that are big, big, big in pop, how they have like different versions of themselves kind of come through, through these different EPs or albums. I kind of feel like, you know, hearing just what you said about what's to come, it seems like you kind of got like X talk out of the way almost like you needed that. You need to let people know. Oh, thank you so much. I think for me, all the artists that I really, really look up to have had these careers that have spanned so many different versions of themselves and identities. Like if you look at David Bowie or Taylor Swift or Rihanna or like Madonna or just people who have literally had all these different phases in their career and they've tied it all together because it's all them. And I think like a lot of the time that's what makes someone iconic is when you realize like human beings are so multifaceted and like there's so much for me, like I started releasing music as girly when I was 17 and now I'm 23, like the change that happens in between that. And for me, sometimes like, oh, maybe I should just stick to like one thing and be this, but that's not how, how do you do that? life goes. Yeah. And like, I think for me, I just want to constantly evolve and change. And like, I'm actually excited for, you know, who I'm going to be in a year, you know, and how I'm going to have evolved by then because I can feel myself changing and evolving. And like, I'm just excited for that. Absolutely. Give us a description of the perfect place and time to listen to this EP in full. The perfect place and time to listen to X Talk would probably be in your car driving around crying and like screaming. (laughs) And I think like, you know, you have mascara streaming down your face and like you just like broke up with someone toxic and you're like, fuck this. 
fuck you, I'm a bad bitch. And you're just going to listen to this EP and cry and laugh and like feel good. That's the best. And then maybe break things later. Smash something. So girly, thank you so fucking much for being here. Like you're the shit. And I've actually listened to you, like I said, for years, which is wild to me that you reached out and it was you honestly who responded. And you're like, yeah, let's do this. I have one more question for you. And that is a question I ask all my guests. And it is, what is your gold moment? I think my gold moment was playing my most recent London show, which would have been like, damn, I guess two years ago now, which is wild. Just seeing all these faces like crying and laughing and feeling happy and like singing my lyrics back to me. That was a really, really wild moment. That was at the Islington Academy in London. Oh, wow. Holy crap. That's awesome. Honestly, thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you. You can find me at Girly Music, G-I-R-L-I Music on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and just Girly on Spotify and YouTube and all that jazz. And go stream X-Talk. <laughs> yeah, stream X-Talk. <laughs> Be sure to check out and support Girlie's new EP, X-Talk. Some of my favorite songs throughout the years by her are Day Month Second, Not That Girl, and Friday Night Big Screen. But my favorites on X-Talk, of course, are Has Been and What a Shame, but I also love Passive Aggressive. It's amazing. She's seriously one of the coolest, like, punk internet girls out there right now. And when you follow her on Instagram, you'll see that she literally do, like, reel after reel after reel or TikTok after TikTok after TikTok, just uplifting women and encouraging women to know more about other successful women and even just women who made an impact who maybe didn't get any credit. So, yeah, Girlie is awesome, and it was such a pleasure having her on Women in Music. <laughs>